All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the IT Pro TV podcast. I'm your host, Dom Pizzette, back again with Mr. Wes Bryan here in the studios with me. Wes, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Looking forward to getting into some technology here. Looks fun. Yeah, and this should be a fun one. What what we're going to do, it's going to be fun for us. Uh, We might make some people at Microsoft (laughs) a little mad, but I wanted to take some time to talk about Windows 10 and some of the stuff that is going on in there because Windows 10, it's, it's really the first time that Microsoft has effectively given away an upgrade for free, right? It, Definitely. To my knowledge, they've never done it, right? What's no, it? they didn't. No, um, ever since they started with the insider preview type uh, model, they have not. Yeah, and, and this time what they did is is they decided, hey, let's let's give it away for free to anybody who has, um, they did, it was Windows 8, right? Windows 7 didn't get it for free? No, they didn't. Windows 8, 8.1, I think is the first time they said, we're just going to, we're going to release it to the public. And if you want to jump on board, go ahead. We're not going to charge you. Yeah. So if you had Windows 8, you got Windows 10 for free. Now, a lot of people said, hey, that's very unlike Microsoft. It, it's, it's very like Apple because with Apple, you buy the hardware and yep. the operating system isn't really how they make their money. They make their money on the hardware. Mm-hmm. But with Microsoft, if I buy a Dell or an HP, they don't make money on that hardware. So for them to just give the OS away, it, it seemed kind of odd. Like, what, how are they going to monetize that? Yeah, it's, it's a big difference from their their business model that they've been following so many years. I mean, you get a Windows 7 machine, you know, when Windows 8 came out, you can get an upgrade. You had to go out and buy your operating system or at least go to Microsoft and buy the operating system. So it's a, it's a big difference than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, so... What it turns out is that the way Microsoft monetizes it is by, well, you know, getting you embedded into the Microsoft ecosystem. And they're able to do that with with Windows 10 several different ways. And what we're starting to see is if you've been using Windows 10 a lot, there's a lot of of what are effectively like built in advertisements right in the the software. So we're starting to see a lot of of kind of nags, right? Uh, uh, Stuff on our lock screen, little notification pop ups stinking Cortana everywhere. We're seeing a lot of stuff out there that is just, I mean, it's really getting kind of annoying. And it bothers me. Do you have any qualms on that, Wes? I really do. Every so often, because we use, you know, we use uh, Windows 10 here a lot uh, for things like virtualization and our demonstrations. And a lot of pop-ups you see right in the middle of demonstrating something. You get something slides out from the side and says you have to do something. And, uh, yeah, it can get a little bit frustrating and it can get a a little bit tedious when it comes to trying to get rid of that stuff. I've uh, I've tried to maintain a a level head on it all. The one annoyed me the most is you know the lock screens where they they give you the suggested pictures and one day i had this picture of a it was a sloth and it looked like it was smiling have you seen that one no i haven't (laughs) it was it was the first time that i clicked on i liked it right because you have a little button where you can say whether you like the background oh that's what that's where you went wrong they roped you in (laughs) i clicked i I did i clicked it and and so then uh, you know the next day because i liked a sloth smiling i got like a rusted junkyard or, uh, you know, a beach scene or something completely irrelevant. Uh, it was a few weeks later that I got a picture of a fox smiling. And I thought it was cool. I clicked I like that, too. Uh, since then, I think I've clicked a giraffe smiling, you know, just animals smiling. That's what I want to see on my lock screen. But it'll be one a picture like that and then 20 other pictures. So they, they never really get back to what I'm showing an interest in. So it's like they're harvesting my data, my what they call their user telemetry, right? The, the information about my browsing habits and likes and all that. They're, they're harvesting that data, 
and they're not actually doing anything with it, and so it's it's kind of wasting my time and annoying me. You know, it's one of those things where they're they're they maybe selling it as, hey, we're trying to give you that unique experience, and we're trying to do everything we can to make it customized. I mean, it's called personal computing for a reason. We'll make it as personal as possible, but after a while, it does uh, seem to become you know a minor annoyance, and sometimes it's a major annoyance too. <laughs> So what I wanted to do in this episode is I want to step in and show you guys how to turn off a lot of that stuff. And I know Microsoft, they, they want it there. It helps them to deliver better services or, or a better user experience. It's more tailored and customized to you. I, I understand. But uh, honestly, I just want to use the computer. And the reality is I spend most of my time in websites and applications that are already tailored to my custom needs. So I don't, I don't need the operating system to really customize itself. So... If we want to turn this stuff off, let, let's run through a couple of the components that are out there that really, it's all about me, right? I'm not going to beat around the bush. This episode's about me. These are the, the, the things that annoy the heck out of me and what I've done to stop them and, and kind of get them to go away. So that's, that's the plan. All right. Okay. So the first thing that I want to talk about is OneDrive, right? Microsoft OneDrive, most of you are probably familiar with it. It is the cloud-based storage that Microsoft has. They introduced it. A long time ago, right? How's that been, Wes? Gosh, I don't know now. I think it started out as just more of like software as a service before the integrations. I want to say that was Windows 8 was like the first time we've seen it. All right. So it's been out for a while. It's um, avail available to be downloaded as a Windows update. I think it's included in the default install now. And if you uninstall it, because you can, you can go to Add and Root Programs, you can uninstall OneDrive. Uh, if you install Microsoft Office, it just puts it back again. In fact, the majority of Microsoft applications will reinstall OneDrive on you. And I... I, I don't have proof on this, but I will swear that at least once I've uninstalled it and it just came back on its own, maybe through a Windows update or something. So it's one of those that just keeps coming back. And if you don't use OneDrive, it's kind of frustrating for that to still be there. And where it really ticked me off was one day I was just browsing my hard drive and I launched the file explorer. And right there in the, the Windows Explorer, there was a little yellow bar across the top telling me that I should set up synchronization with my cloud uh, storage with OneDrive. So it was effectively advertising OneDrive right inside of the Explorer, and that was super frustrating for me. So disabling Microsoft OneDrive, that was, that was one of the higher priority items for me. And Microsoft does this a lot too. You know, I, I sit there and I think, okay, well, it was Windows 8. It was actually 2007 when this came out. Because if you remember, we had SkyDrive. And oh, Microsoft yeah. is really good about taking an old uh, technology, wrapping a new coat of paint around it, and brandishing it as a new, new, latest and greatest technology. So it's definitely been out there for a while. All right. So if we want to toast this turkey, how do we do it? Well, they don't make it easy, right? Uh, because it can pop back. It can come in through a number of different services. So the best thing to do is to create a policy, a system policy that blocks OneDrive. And they do have that functionality built in. If you're in the enterprise, that means you can use Active Directory. You can use a group policy object and you can block OneDrive. But even if you're a home user, you can still edit the local system policy on your machine to do that. So I, I want to show you guys how to do that. Now, if you are a, a tech user, you probably already know how to do this. If you are a, a home user or somebody kind of new to, to Windows, you might not have done this before. So uh, I'll try and, and keep it as simple as possible. Uh, in order to edit the policy, we need to use a group policy editor. And on the desktop, we have one. We just don't have any icons for it. So if we bring up like my PC here, here we go. Uh, what I'm going to do is, uh, well, you know, we've got our, our new advanced start menu that's packed full of all sorts of, you know, here we start to see some of these advertisements. This is a fresh and clean installation of, of Windows 10. 
Uh, so I, I haven't done anything other than complete the startup wizard and install VMware tools on it because it's a virtual machine. And it's kind of interesting. You said how loaded it is, and the whole <laughs> thing you did was hit the start menu. We haven't even got into the operating system yet, and already you can see a lot of dynamic tiles there that are going on saying, hey, you really need this information. It's really for you. Yeah, you Sling TV and Soda King. And, oh, and i got to have some Soda King now. <laughs> it's important. All right, so uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm actually not going to use the start menu just yet. We'll, we'll fix it in a minute. Uh, and I'm going to hit Windows key R to bring bring up the old run prompt, right? Good old trusty run prompt. And in the run prompt, I'm going to type gpedit.msc. So gpedit, that's the group policy editor. And MSC, it's a Microsoft console. And, and this is a, an application that is packaged with Windows. It just doesn't have an icon for me to run. And when I get into here, I'll see the local system policy for this machine. And there's actually a policy entry in here where we can disable OneDrive. And so if we navigate in here, I'm gonna go into the computer settings. And, and there's two settings here, right? Uh, computer configuration and user configuration. The user configuration would just affect me. The computer configuration affects every user on this system. So it is a global change that we're about to make. They don't have it for an individual user because it's software that gets installed. And one of the things I'll say too, for the average end user out there, uh, I do like the, the search functionality in it. If you go to the search field and you just type GP, you start to type GP, you'll get a little icon that says edit policy. So it'll make it really easy out there if for some reason you can't remember GP edit. Yeah, uh, this is a new install for me. So I don't know if the search field is populated with all that stuff yet, but, but either way, once we get in here, we can browse into our computer configuration and I'm just gonna dig into here. We're gonna go into administrative templates and inside of administrative templates, we're going to go to Windows Components. And inside of Windows Components, we're going to go down to OneDrive. And we'll find it right here. There's not a whole lot of options for OneDrive, but my favorite one is prevent the usage of OneDrive for file storage, right? I use Dropbox. I don't use OneDrive. Cloud storage is great. I, I love it. Uh, OneDrive is a perfectly good product. I just happen to use a different product. So I don't want it constantly running in the background and marketing to me and so on. So I'm going to come in here and take OneDrive. And if you just double click on that setting where it says prevent the usage of OneDrive for file storage and choose enabled, we're enabling preventing it, right? Be careful because it's kind of like a, a double negative. You're like, oh, I want to disable it, right? Then you would be disabling preventing OneDrive, which would allow it, right? So we got to make sure we get the, the permissions right. So I'm going to enable that setting. And once it's enabled, now that's going to prevent OneDrive from being able to be used. And now I can go and uninstall it and I'll know that it's gone. And actually, this is a brand new install, so let's see if it's in here. Um, I need to go into the the software page so I can uninstall. And what I normally do, and this is not really the right thing, uh, is I usually hit the little start button and type in uninstall, and you can get into your control panel that way and uninstall a program <laughs> and get to the old screen. But sure enough, there's OneDrive right there. Uh, you know, it, it's already installed as part of the, this was a default install of Windows 10. I haven't even done Windows updates on this yet. Now it is the, the creator build. So I'm, I'm going to build, what is it, West 1703? 1703, yep. So th as of the filming of this episode, that's the latest full version of Windows, but I'm sure there's updates available if I were to do them. Yeah, two weeks uh, from now, this might not be uh, so yeah. the same thing. <laughs> but you guys can see I barely got anything installed here. VMware tools, and it installed the Visual C++ redistributables. That, that's all kind of part of it. But OneDrive came in on its own. So I'm going to uninstall it because I don't need it anymore, right? Uh, you know, You can just hit uninstall, and it pops it out of there. 
If I didn't have a policy in place to prevent it, though, it would just come back and start running and I would have that available just running on my system. And it's one of those things that always needs updated, too. It's not like uh, you can just it runs in the background with Windows update. It's one of those things that's kind of weird because it tries to update separately from your Windows updates. Right. So where you can set it and you just walk away from it and say, just go ahead and w update everything Windows. So it's got a component within the operating system that likes to update itself separately from everything else. Now, I also mentioned the little advertisement that popped up in the Explorer window, which super annoyed me. So let me show you guys that real quick. Uh, this one's a little easier to fix. If you launch the Explorer, so I'm going to fire that up here. I'm just going to I'll minimize the group policy editor in the background there. So here I am in the regular old file Explorer. What I'm talking about was a yellow bar that appeared right across the top of the screen, right beneath the address bar here. So it just kind of popped up and was like, hey, you should set up synchronization with OneDrive. Well, I didn't want that. And if you go up here to your view menu, you can click view and then options. And underneath options, we get into our advanced stuff here. And you can go under view again, because why not? <laughs> and so we'll go into, so it was view and then options and then the view tab. And inside of the view tab, if you scroll down, you'll find an option in here that says show sync provider notifications. Now, at first glance, this seems like, hey, any synchronization provider. So if I'm using Dropbox or whatever, but in reality, what this should say is show OneDrive notifications. And that's what it was making that OneDrive kind of advertisement pop up. So you can just turn that off really easily. And now you won't get that yellow bar. Maybe you want to keep OneDrive installed, but you don't want to get prompted about configuring it. I don't know. I wouldn't do that. But, <laughs> but if you do, you can just uncheck that and it won't pop up. So I'll go ahead and say OK to that. And now I don't have to worry about that little bar across there. And if you do run Dropbox, I do, too. Uh, that doesn't affect it at all. Even the Dropbox notifications still work. That's not uh, not one and the same. All right, so that takes care of OneDrive. That was one of my my bigger ones. The the next part that I want to move into is the uh, Windows Spotlight. And uh, Wes, uh, we talked a little bit about Windows Spotlight before the show, and. Um, that, how much did you know about Windows Spotlight prior to the show? Absolutely nothing. And I've actually studied Windows for a while. So I don't know if I should really be admitting this on camera. Uh, I knew a lot. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> well, no, it, it's important that, that the viewers know that because Microsoft hasn't really advertised what Windows Spotlight is very heavily. They've been like, hey, there's this great new feature. You're going to love it. But deep down inside of Windows 10, the Spotlight feature is really what's driving the personalization features. You know, customizing your Windows experience to match you. In order to do that, it's got to learn about you and and it learns about you and then it starts to suggest things. So, for example, it hasn't learned much about me at all on this computer because it's brand new. Just it's going to learn it. a lot of, uh, about you by the end of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, probably will learn to hate me. Uh, but but if I take this machine and I do something like, uh, you know, if I lock the screen. Right. So when I lock the screen, I get, well, the lock screen. Right. And on the lock screen, you'll see things like here. Go beyond browsing. Microsoft Edge is the fastest and securest browser. Meet Microsoft Edge. Get started. Do you like what you see? You can like this picture or you're not a fan, right? You get these little pop-ups. Now, these are pretty innocuous right here because it's a clean install. But the more I use this computer, the more it's going to learn about me. So like my computer at home, it knows that I love the Detroit Red Wings. And so when something happens on the Red Wings, which, uh, you know, uh, they completely collapsed this season. So if something happens, <laughs> then I get all this news right here. Like, oh, the Red Wings, you know, lost again. Uh, <laughs> it's right there on my lock screen. I don't want that on my lock screen. Now, sure. on your home computer, what do you care, right? But on a, on a work computer or a computer that's somewhere that I don't necessarily have control over, other people can see that. And maybe maybe you got information there you didn't want to share. I, I don't want people to know I like the Detroit Red Wings. That's my secret thing. 
it's not true, but uh, anyhow. So, so this is part of what Windows Spotlight is doing. And it's not just here on the lock screen. It's actually all throughout the operating system that when you bring up your start menu and you start seeing these live tiles, some of these will change based on what your personal preferences are, what you've done, your browsing history, your user telemetry. There's that, that buzzword. So that's what Windows Spotlight is doing, creating this customized experience. Well, if you don't like this stuff, uh, again, which which I don't, uh, then we want to turn off Windows Spotlight. We just want to get it stopped doing that. Yeah, and, and it's a good thing too, especially if you're like, I don't know about you, Don, but you're like me and you like more of a minimalistic experience. And I, I can almost vouch for Don. I've seen I've seen <laughs> NT 4.0 screensaver or background on him. I know you're very minimalistic that you, you kind of save some of that functionality in spots where you really need it, where you do need the functionality. Yeah, when I, when I get a new machine, I, I usually disable all the graphics acceleration, all the 3D effects, I, I, I take away the fancy screens, uh, the backgrounds. It, that's just what I'm used to. I, I want the computer to run fast. I don't care what yep, it looks like. Sure. Um, but a lot of this stuff is designed to look really pretty yep. and to be customized. And, and that's great. Again, really designed for home users. For power users, it's just annoying. So if I want to turn off Spotlight, there's a few different ways that I go about that. There's actually kind of two different things that we need to do. Uh, the first is going right back into our policies and tweaking it there. So on this computer here, let me just get out of Explorer and I'll go back to my policy editor. And in my policy editor, last time I went into the computer configuration to turn off OneDrive, this time I'm gonna go into the user configuration. And in the user configuration, I'm gonna dive down into administrative templates and into Windows components. And in Windows components, I'm gonna look for cloud content right there. And under cloud content, here's where we'll see like configure Windows Spotlight on the lock screen or turn off all Windows Spotlight features, turn off Windows Spotlight and the Action Center, turn off the Windows Welcome Experience. These are all components of the, the you know, learning about you and, and interacting with you, and, and some of it's pretty darn annoying. Um, the, the Windows Welcome Experience, for example, that's one where after an update happens, your system reboots, and then it sends you through a tutorial on what the new features are. It's really nice if you're trying to learn a new, you know, something new that's out. Like when Windows Hello came out, it was really nice to learn that. But if you're working in IT and you're setting up 200 computers, probably by number 10, you're pretty tired of seeing it. Most definitely. By number 50, you want to shoot yourself, right? <laughs> so so these are things that we can turn off. I, I usually do this one, turn off all Windows Spotlight features, but you may want to pick and choose based on what you want. I'm, I'm going to take this turn off all and I'm going to enable it. Again, we're not enabling Windows Spotlight, we're enabling turning off Windows Spotlight. Remember that whole double negative type situation. So I'm gonna check that off and I'll say okay, and that's gonna turn off Windows Spotlight on the lock screen and pretty much everywhere else. Now, this is a user setting, right? So if I have five user accounts on here, each one manages this separately. OneDrive was a global setting, it was tied to the computer, so that is different, uh, be aware of that. Let's see, uh, another thing that we can adjust while we're in here are the the uh, the Windows tips, right? Windows tips are, are kind of part of that uh, uh, tutorial that pops up and, and some of the other information. And it's actually back under the computer settings. And so if I go back under my computer configurations here, I can go to administrative templates and down to Windows components. And this is where we came earlier to find OneDrive. And this time I'm gonna look for that cloud content folder. And under cloud content, I'll see, do not show Windows tips, right? The little, you know, hey, check this feature out. It's new, it's exciting. That's great the first time you learn about it. But again, if you're a power user, you've already learned about it. You don't need the tip. Let's get rid of that one. 
So there's there's a joke to be had in there, but we'll, <laughs> we'll save that for another day. So I'm going to enable do not show, right? right. And double, whatever. Anyhow, so uh, we'll go ahead and choose that. And that'll take care of that one too. All right, so that's that's one less Spotlight thing. Spotlight tries to learn what you do and recommend features and you get these tips and pop-ups. One less thing that's going to be that. And one of the good things about using the group policy, even if you're not in an enterprise environment, is the fact that it disables it in other places where you can you can actually make configurations like in the Action Center. Uh, so it is good that if you do this in uh, group policy that, uh, you know, it does kind of limit what can be done inside of your Action Center and then basic configurations that the users can do if you're trying to enforce some kind of consistency across your environment. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Wes, well, let's dive back to the star menu, right? The star menu was the most obvious thing. Like the first time that I, I saw this, I mean, it was really the eye opener that said, wow, Windows 10 has gotten crazy. Um, and I addressed this one kind of two different ways. So on, on my on my personal computer at home, the first thing I did was uh, I came in here and I pulled up my start menu and I basically just right clicked each one of these and did unpin from start. And I did that for every single one and emptied it out. And when you're done, the start menu shrinks down. And so all you have left is your navigation over here. It makes it much more like uh, like Windows 7 or, sure. or you know, the earlier OSs that were a little simpler to use. Well, that takes care of the live tiles here and gets that stuff away. But you can actually get suggestions right here also embedded with the regular applications. So you might have removed everything from over here and then... On the left side of that star menu, you see, oh, you should think about installing um, Angry Birds. Yes. Right? Or, <laughs> or, well, there's Sling TV right there. Right? I'm not going to use Sling TV, maybe one day. And if I want it, I'll install it. But in the meantime, I don't need a suggestion for it. So these are things that we may not want. And so we can turn off those suggestions so they don't pop up. And, uh, and this one's not so bad. In your start menu, if you hit the settings button, the little gear kind of hidden over there by the start button. When we go into settings, you can go into system. Or I'm sorry, not into system. We'll get to that one in a minute. We can go to personalization, which is right here, the one with a little paintbrush. So we'll go into personalization. And then inside of personalization, you can go down to start. And under start, you'll see several options for customizing the start menu. And the one that I'm looking for is whether we want to show suggestions. And you'll see here, occasionally show suggestions in start. And I can turn it on or off. It's on by default. I'm going to turn that one off. I don't want to see those suggestions anymore. I just want to see stuff that's actually installed, not stuff that I could install if I really wanted to. So we'll go ahead and, and get that set. And now when I bring up that start menu, everything I see is technically already here, right? Not something that could potentially be installed. Now, I still see some things in here, like the Sling TV and the Soda King that are showing up, right? Those are, are kind of preset icons that I can come in and I can delete or remove based on what I need, right? I can unpin from start or uninstall and clean this out. So we still have a little more spring cleaning, but this will stop new ones from popping up. It's like bringing back the start menu. Everybody complained in 8.1 that they didn't have the start menu and uh, well, they brought it back and they added graffiti <laughs> to it. So it's your new and improved start menu with a little bit of graffiti. That's right, <laughs> can't, can't leave well enough alone. All right, well, the next thing I wanna talk about are those notifications, right? I was hoping that at least one notification would pop up here during the show. And in fact, let's, let's see here, I've got, uh, at least something kind of way down here in the bottom right. I've had two notifications pop up 
And if we look, what have I got so far? Oh, oh there's your OneDrive. Get to your files from anywhere. OneDrive is my free online storage, right? And uh, and then searching for display driver. Oh, well, that's actually kind of useful. So, <laughs> <laughs> Don't disable that one. Yeah, I know. That one That was from the systems. That one's okay. But right up here, I've got, yeah, I've got a OneDrive notification. And that was one of the things that I, I wanted to prevent, right? So that, that's not cool. But you'll start to see more notifications like, hey, have you tried Paint 3D, the new enhanced paint application? Or... Oh, by the way, have you tried installing Wonderlist or, or whatever it is that we get to pop up? I don't care for the notifications. And so I like to, to disable those and kind of get them uh, away. So <clears throat> if we want to tailor that one, that's where we need to go into our settings and into system preferences where I'm into a, sorry, system where we almost went to system preferences. This there you is go. a Mac all of a sudden. <laughs> all right. I'm going to click my start button and inside of start, I'm going to go to my settings, right? So I'll hit that gear and inside of settings, I'm going to go to system and inside of system you'll see notifications and actions and here's where we can kind of tailor our notifications and actions now our actions we typically want to leave alone right that's things like going into airplane mode and disabling bluetooth and all that good stuff but if you scroll down we'll see things like get notifications from apps and other senders show notifications on the lock screen show reminders and so on the one that that bugs me probably the most is this guy get tips tricks and suggestions as you use windows or in other words, annoy you while you're working with Windows. <laughs> so I like to turn that one off. We've also got other things like show me the Windows welcome experience after updates occasionally when I sign in to highlight what's new and suggested. Again, if this is your home computer and, and this is the one that you're trying out Windows 10 on for the first time or the creator update or, or whatever it is you're doing, those tips are actually kind of nice. They, they, they teach you about the new features. But if you've been using Windows a while, these things are kind of annoying. And if you've got a bunch of machines, they start to get annoying really fast. And so that's where we can just come in and turn those off, right? Uh, and you'll see other things you can tweak and, and adjust like uh, like here, Microsoft SkyDrive desktop. Look, it's still got the old name in there. You'd think by now they would have gotten all of that cleared out. No, that'll be in the next creator update. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be in the... Uh, the Windows 10 lawyer update. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, anyhow, we can turn those notifications off, get that one filtered out of there. And, and again, just one less thing that's going to be popping up at us and get that one done. All right. So, at this point, we've kind of streamlined our system up a pretty decent amount here. We've kind of uh, taken away a lot of the pain, a lot of the pop-ups and stuff. But there is still one more thing I want to talk about. And this one, there's probably a little bit of debate on, and that's Cortana. Now, before I dive into it, Wes... What, how do you feel emotionally about Cortana? Oh, I'm going to need some therapy after this one. But <laughs> <laughs> when it comes down to it, uh, I don't think uh, Cortana really helps me find anything. I've actually f typed MMC trying to launch a Microsoft management console, and it was going to send me out to the web to figure out what that was. Yeah, yeah. Not so, too good. Um, it's not Microsoft's fault, right? I, 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 it's not that I just feel bad about Cortana for some particular reason, but... Siri, uh, Google Assistant. Just personal assistants uh, in general. Yeah, they're all, they really, they can give you the news and that's about it. Once you start going beyond that, they're just not sophisticated enough to be incredibly useful. So to me, they're more annoying and I don't like to have them. I don't use them. So if you're never going to use it, you've got this service running, consuming resources and and there's really no point in it. So I I turn off Cortana. I just disable it. And that's, that's the way that I go on it. I, on a Mac, I disable Siri. I do the same thing. Sure. I don't need sure. Siri on my desktop, maybe on the phone, but not, not on the desktop. Same thing with Cortana here. So we can disable Cortana at a minimum, even if you love Cortana, right? I shrink the little search window. If, if you look at my PC down here at the bottom, you've got the start button, 
And then this giant ask me anything that consumes know, almost a third of your taskbar. I guess maybe it's a quarter of the taskbar if you don't count the start button, but it consumes a pretty big space. And the idea is that you should type, click here and start to ask it something, right? But when you do that, you're, you're asking Cortana something. You're not necessarily searching your computer first. Like Wes said, right. it might be searching the internet and all of a sudden you're getting results that are, are outside of what you expect. And then what I always think is funny is if you just click your start button and start to type, this is a little bit different of a search. Now it's searching your computer first. So it's like two different experiences side by side right there in one place that just creates confusion yeah and that kind of for me kind of harkens back to like windows 8 you know they were trying to satisfy tablet users and the mobility uh, side of things when they brought in the tile interface but at the same time they were still trying to satisfy desktop users as well and when you have those two dissimilar systems that are working sometimes they can be working against each other uh, and not to mention things like the performance hindrances that i i, I kind of find sometimes cortana can be yeah i agree Wholeheartedly. So, uh, so if we want to get rid of this thing, well, there's a, a few different options that we've got in here. You can shrink the the thing down. Uh, we've got that option. If you uh, let's see here, if we right click inside of our search window, you'll see the Cortana menu up here, and in Cortana, you'll see where you can show the search box, which is the default. You can hide it to get rid of it altogether, or you can cho choose to show the Cortana icon. And if we choose the icon it shrinks it down so that it's just that little circle. And it's nice now that it consumes a little less space. So I like that if I'm gonna keep Cortana on, that's what I normally do. If I'm gonna disable Cortana though, I'll normally go up here and I'll choose to make it hidden, right? Now that doesn't mean the Cortana is turned off. We're not done, right? It's just hidden. So if you've got the voice prompt set up, it's still listening and it's yes. waiting for you to ask Cortana something. It's still running in the background. So what we need to do is go a step further and turn it off. Now here's where things get challenging. I'm running Windows 10 Pro. And in Windows 10 Pro, Education, and Enterprise, it's pretty easy to turn off Cortana with a policy. We have a policy setting. We can go in there and we can tweak, and that'll turn it off, right? If you're running Windows 10 Home, for whatever reason, they don't give you the option. You, you can't turn off Cortana. Well, you can't through a regular group policy edit. You'll have to do a registry edit. It's a little bit harder. So let's, uh, let's run through this real quick. For the, the Pro and Enterprise users, for, uh, for a lot of us in IT, what we do is we go back into GP Edit, which I closed for some reason. And inside of GP Edit, what we're gonna do is navigate into Computer Configuration, and we're gonna go down to Administrative Templates, into Windows Components, and into good old Cortana. Uh, or sorry, it's not called Cortana here, it's called Search. So we're gonna go into Windows Components and then Search. And inside of search, you're going to see a ton of options, many of which have to do with Cortana. But the one I'm looking for is this guy right here, which just says allow Cortana. And I'm going to double click on that and choose to disable allowing Cortana. That's going to shut down the Cortana system here. I'll still be able to search for things on my own system, but I won't be able to talk to Cortana. She won't be able to look up the news and tell me how bad the Red Wings are doing. And uh, <laughs> and so there we go. We uh, you know it's like it's got to be a bright side to all this, right, Wes? Yeah, and you know uh, I know this is uh, we could probably spend a couple hours on security things too. But if you think about it, with Cortana learning about you there is a certain amount of information that's being stored and in an enterprise environment or corporate environment maybe you don't want that information stored for sure because uh, you know just for privacy reasons well you know you mentioned security so even if i love cortana if it's my favorite thing in the whole world and i want to marry it well i still recommend you come in here and notice the option right beneath allow cortana the very next option says allow cortana above lock screen right so you can actually interact with cortana while the system is locked and 
while there aren't any vulnerabilities or exploits that have been um, released into the wild yet, I know Apple had a number of problems early on with Siri, where people were able to use it to exploit and bypass the lock screen on their mobile, on their iOS devices. And so, you know, Windows is targeted way more than those iOS devices. So it's only a matter of time before somebody finds a way to bypass a lock screen by exploiting Siri, I mean, Siri, Cortana, well, whatever that is. <laughs> and I was going to say, help me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that the purpose of the lock screen? The lock screen is to protect your machine, <laughs> not a, still allow entrance into it. Yeah, meanwhile, you know, our, our new system gives us notifications where people can see email subject lines and stuff that oh, come perfect. up on there. And, and those are fine for a home user. But you know, if you if you're on a laptop and you travel, you don't want that getting out. So you know, you've got to be got to be careful with that. You got constant sure. vigilance, right? That's you right. Got to watch out for it. So, um, so right there, I've changed the policy setting. I've disabled Cortana. If I reboot, I'll find that Cortana is no longer functional, and now we're in business. But if you're a home user and you were following along, you probably fired up gpedit.msc. You browsed into the area where I just told you, and you didn't see the option, right? And that's because Microsoft removed it for home users, so you don't have it. And so you're not out of luck. It's just you don't have the nice little, uh, you know, uh, control panel or whatever to make the change. Instead, you're going to go right into the registry to make that change. So let me show you guys that real quick. And this is the the last thing we've got for this episode. And so, I was going to say at this point, should we do our uh, disclaimer here when it comes to modifying the registry? Nah. Definitely, <laughs> definitely know what you're doing because remember, it's a configuration database, and the moment you set changes in here. If you don't do them right, for better or worse, it's gonna it could cause problems in your machine. So pay attention to what Don's doing here and make sure you get these steps right. Well, now I almost don't want to do it. Like I should. Uh, <laughs> All right, like, no, you got to do it Plausible deniability right. or something. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm gonna take my machine. I'm gonna fire up my my start menu, and I'm just gonna type reg edit r e g e d i t, which is short for registry editor. Um, some of you might remember the old days where we had to type regedit32 when Windows 95 and 98 came out and switched to 32-bit. Uh, well, now in Windows 10, it's back to just being old regedit. So we don't have to type anything after that. Just regedit and press enter. It's going to prompt you for administrative privileges, right? Like like Wes said, the gloves are off on this one. That's you can right. do a lot of damage. I'm going to say yes, because what do I care? <laughs> but you can do a lot of cool things. I mean, don't don't be too shy on it. Just just know what you're doing, because there are a lot of good tweaks that you can do, and you can you can really, uh, you know, um, configure things to suit your needs. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'm going to come in here, and I'll browse into H key local machine, right? Inside of the register, you have settings that pertain to the user and so on, and I'm, I'm looking for a setting that's tied to the, the machine. And inside of the machine, I'm going to go to software. And inside of software, I'm going to go to policies. And inside of policies, I'm going to find Microsoft. And inside of Microsoft, I'm going to find Windows, right? So we're just kind of drilling down through this hierarchy to get to the Windows settings. Now, here's where things are going to get a little bit weird. Inside of the Windows folder, I'm going to look for another folder called Windows Search. If you're on a enterprise, education or pro edition of Windows 10, you'll have this folder, this folder called Windows Search. But if you're on a home system, you won't have that folder, right? I keep calling it a folder because that's the icon, but it's actually called a key. It's a registry key. And so that key will be missing. So you'll need to create it. What you do is right click on the Windows key and choose new key. And in that new key, you're just going to type in Windows space search. And it is case sensitive, so you get capital W for Windows, a space, and then a capital S for search, right? Um, I've already got that folder, so I'm just going to add a number two to the end so I don't have a duplicate. And then once you've created that key, you need to create the allow Cortana value. If you look at my Windows search that was already there, see how I've got allow Cortana set to zero? 
that's because we created a policy that disabled Cortana. All it did was create this registry entry, right? So on a home edition, we can go in and create the registry entry ourselves. So you can go into your newly created folder, your key, and you can right click on that folder and go to new and D word. Be careful because you got D word and Q word. A D word is a 32 bit value and a Q word is a 64 bit. We just need a 32 bit value. So I'm gonna create a new D word and I'm gonna name that D word allow Cortana. It's a capital A for allow, no space, and then a capital C for Cortana, allow Cortana. So that's the name of the value. It's gonna default, or sorry, it's the name of the, uh, uh, the attribute? Yes. Okay. And then the value is going to default to zero, and that's exactly what we want. Zero means off, one means on. If we want to turn Cortana on, you set it to one. If you want it to be turned off, you set it to zero, it defaults to zero. And so now we've created that value that allows us to disable Cortana, right? And I'm going to delete mine because I don't actually need it here. But that's effectively what that group policy setting did. That's why I've already got allow Cortana zero in mind because it was created by that GP edit setting. So. If you're on home edition, it doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just a little bit harder. You just have to go in and, and do the steps manually. But once it's done, you can reboot, and now Cortana, Cortana is turned off. And you uh, effectively have a, a lot less going on on your desktop, a lot less going on on your, uh, your, your start menu, and then ultimately you don't have somebody giving you bad advice and where to eat for the night. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And we can see some of those changes already, right? If we take a look at my machine... If I bring the, the notifications back up, that notification about OneDrive is gone. I didn't clear it out. I still have that notification about the display driver because that's a, a Windows update. That's a good notification. But as you start to interact with your system, you're going to see a lot less things getting in your way. There's people out there on the Internet that are uh, or you know, technology pundits and stuff that are saying this is adware. It's, it's advertising. The Windows 10 is becoming an ad platform. It's not really advertising because it's just Microsoft advertising their own features, kind of informing you of new features. I understand what they're doing, but if you're an IT power user, it's kind of annoying and it does wear on you fast. So it is nice to have the ability to go in and disable it. It stinks that I had to go to like four different places, five different places to get all this stuff set up. But once it's done, Windows 10 actually becomes a lot more pleasant. Yeah, and it's not, it's not quite so resource intensive too, especially on services that if you are in that environment, like Don mentions, that you just, you don't want, right? Well, take some of those resources of and give them back to the operating system, give them back to your productivity, right? Uh, and uh, makes the experience a little bit better, at least for the people that are working for you. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. I think I've agreed <laughs> with you all this episode. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, it's one of those where it is kind of polarizing. There's a lot of people out there that are, you know, diehard. Oh, I love Cortana. It's a great voice assistant and, and it gets better all the time. So give it a chance. If you disable it, how are you going to give it a chance? I agree, right? But it doesn't mean you need to do it on every computer, and it's nice to be able to take that control back. Sure. So, so that was a, a chance to see some of the settings that that I like, that I do to, to customize Cortana, to get the system, I mean, just Windows 10 in general, to work the way that I want it to work and get things working in a nice, smooth, efficient manner. That That's kind of my goal with a lot of this stuff. I think I'm going to take some of that knowledge as well, and I'm going to do that to modify some of my virtual machines to make them run just a little bit more efficiently when I need them to. Yeah. Maybe we'll do another episode on turning off all the visual effects and crazy junk that's a part of Windows. Yeah, yeah, we can even look at things like the privacy settings too, because you can turn off a lot of privacy settings if if that's something that you're concerned with, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because there was the big scandal over the shared Wi-Fi and all of that. Of course. All right, we'll save that for another episode. That'll be a good time. But I do thank you guys 
as all for watching. Wes, do you have any other thoughts you want to throw in before we wrap up? No, it's a, and, and again, this isn't a Windows 10 bashing show, but it does, <laughs> you know, it helps, you, it helps you to customize it. And at least they haven't locked it down to where you can't do these things. You still have the tools and the functionalities to make Windows work appropriately for your environment. And every environment's different. So maybe some of the settings you want to leave on, maybe some that you don't, but at least you have the availability to take, tailor make Windows to whatever suits your needs. Yeah, and, and I, I do want to throw in, like, Windows 10, it is my favorite version of Windows so yeah, far. I love it, it. It really does a, a great job, and, you know, there were people who were diehard Windows XP, and they didn't want to go to Vista, which sure. who can blame them? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then Windows 7 came out, they were diehard Windows 7, they didn't want to go to Windows 8. Again, who can blame them? Yep. Windows 10 is great, and, and I don't hesitate to throw Windows 10 on a machine. So so understand that, yeah, definitely not a hate fest. We, we, we love Windows 10. It's just, you know, there's certain features we don't use. I do the same thing with any distribution of Linux or Mac OS. There's a lot of stuff that I turn off and remove. This is just a part of that process. Yeah, I have to say the same thing and agree. It's, this is probably my favorite edition of Windows since 7. Now, I know you go a lot, a lot farther back in Windows, <laughs> you know, uh, but, you know, XP, obviously a great system. But I have to say this is probably one of the most enjoyable Windows operating systems, at least since Windows to, uh, 7. At least since NT351. And, <laughs> 311. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap it up right here. We hope you enjoyed Definitely stay tuned for other podcasts that are coming up down the line. We cover a lot of different crazy topics here. It's always a good fun. Uh, if you want to learn more about Windows 10, be sure to check out our site, itpro.tv. Uh, we've got great Windows 10 training on there as well as uh, Windows Server, uh, and not just Windows 10, but all the desktop versions that have been out. Uh, well, not not all of them. We don't go back to Windows 3.1 and stuff. But, uh, <laughs> but if you want to learn about it uh, from the IT space, we definitely have it covered there. Be sure to check it out. But otherwise... That's it for IT Pro TV. I've been your host, Don Pazette. And I'm Wes Bryan. And we'll see you guys next time.